Hey, welcome to a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Friday, October the 22nd. Glad to have you along. No Wednesday podcast this week. I just didn't get around to it. My bad. There wasn't much going on with Ohio State, and the Browns were playing on Thursday night, so I thought I would wait until they actually played. And it was a consequential night because no Baker Mayfield, no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt, but no defeat as the Browns beat the Denver Broncos 17-14. to It's always good to beat John Elway, particularly when John Elway's in the building. Not as good as if you had beaten him all back when he was actually quarterbacking the team and a victory would have gotten you to the Super Bowl for the first time in team history. We're still waiting, still waiting. Didn't happen in uh, 1986 when I was sitting in the press box thinking, I'm going to get to cover my team in the Super Bowl. I was working for the Miami News back then. Instead, I got to cover the Broncos and the Giants, the first Super Bowl uh, for Bill Parcells and the New York Giants. Would love to have seen my brownies in that game. I think we could have shown better than the Denver Broncos, but that's in the Wayback Machine. We'll try to keep our focus forward today. And I have something cool to share with you at the start of the We Tackle Life podcast. I am recording from my radio studio. And so today, while I was uh, finishing up my radio show, a tweet came across featuring the former co-host of this We Tackle Life podcast, Mr. Chris Spielman. And uh, I, of course, sat up and paid attention because I'm uh, always interested in uh, what Mr. Spielman is doing with uh, the Detroit Lions. And uh, he walks into a set where they are purportedly filming a promo for the Lions because he is Mr. Jack of all trades. He is assistant to the owner, assistant to the uh, team president, uh, liaison to the community, goodwill ambassador, and so they bring Spiels in. And uh, let's see if uh, I can narrate this as it happens. Yeah. On Sunday, October 31st, we take on the Philadelphia Eagles. We're celebrating the Lions Legends community as part of our annual homecoming, celebrating at Ford. Ah. Okay, so uh, as he often did on the podcast, and as any buddy often does, in the midst of reading off a teleprompter, you make a goof first time. No big deal, right? So he still thinks he's in here reading a promo that they will use on their social media channels, but he doesn't know why he's really in there. And as he's reading this, the video cuts to Sheila Ford Hemp, the owner of the Lions, and I think their team president, uh, Rod, I forget Rod's last name, uh, behind the scenes listening. So on this teleprompter, in very short order, as Spiels recycles and starts again, you're going to hear him start to understand that he's being played, that something is amiss, and it's pretty cool what it is, and it's even cooler how he reacts to it. All right, here we go. On Sunday, October 31st, when we take on the Philadelphia Eagles, we're celebrating the Lions Legends community as part of our annual homecoming celebration at Ford Field. At halftime, we will honor one of the greatest Lions ever. Four-time Pro Bowl selection, he helped the team to four playoff appearances, two NFL Central titles, and a berth in a 1992 NFC Championship game. Uh Uh-oh. What are you guys doing here, man? He's figuring it out. Then he sees on the teleprompter that he'll be inducted into the team's ring of honor. And he starts to get emotional. And the tear ducts are working. And now... Keep reading. 
Sheila Hemp and the Lions Brass come out. And there are hugs all around. And my guy is uh, clearly moved. He led the defense for eight seasons and his alliance all As Sheila Fordham continues to read off the teleprompter and they show highlights here. I'll retweet this on my timeline. Uh, Chris, uh, I'm just so happy for him. Uh, so happy that he's getting a chance to use his gifts to, uh, I hope, change a culture with the Lions. I mean, right now I know they're 0-6, Bruce, but the culture's terrible. You know, you can have a good culture and be building something. And the thing about Chris that um, I've been privileged to watch over the years from when we first worked together in 2006 to now, wow, 15 years, wrote a book together about he and Steph's cancer battle and the difference that they made, uh, watched their kids grow up, uh, heard all the stories that, you know, in the moment feel like the biggest thing in the world, a breakup, a challenge on a sports team. He's lived with me through those kinds of things. He's been an invaluable source of wisdom, accountability, uh, laughter, all the things that make our lives better. I'm just thrilled. I was there when he got the letter that he was going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. That meant a lot to him because he knew how much it meant to Steph. He referenced Steph today uh, as he composed himself after getting this honor. He is uh, very much um, aware that other people played into his success, his father, his mother, his brother, uh, Steph, his wife Carrie now, his kids, um, Jenna and uh, and Kendra, his uh, his daughters uh, with Carrie. Uh, Chris is a guy who gratitude is throughout his being. And uh, while he's accomplished a lot, he knows that uh, what you accomplish is not what's important. It's what you do with the platform your accomplishments give you. And I think he's... Um, been a real role model for people in that regard and so I'm just I'm thrilled for him and I'll call him later and say this is how I find out off Twitter <laughs> but it's totally in character I would not have expected him to call me and go hey guess what they're putting me in the Lions ring of honor because to him that would have been bragging and he's um, he's he brags only to mock himself that's the only reason that he does that so that was a personal little indulgence that I hope you'll all grant me. And I know you guys love Chris like I do. So that's great. Fantastic. The day after Ohio State plays Penn State, he'll be going in the Lions Ring of Honor. That's uh, that's awesome. Really, really, really awesome. I may have to go to a sports bar that day and watch that if I can. So, all right. Uh, let's uh, get into the beginning of the podcast here with Ohio State getting ready to play at Indiana on Saturday night. And thank our friends at auiinfo.com. Now is a consequential time for you to remember auiinfo.com because this is open enrollment. Time for you to change your health insurance. If you're an individual, you get only one chance a year. This is that chance. Don't waste it. I know. I'm a let it ride person too. Oh, I'll get to it next year. Oh, I'll get to it next week. And then you don't get to it next week, so you think I'll get to it next year. And then next year comes, you don't get to it next year either. Do it right now. Do it right now. Go to auiinfo.com. It's a, it's a website. You don't have to talk to a person if you don't want to. Type in your questions in your chat. This is my health coverage. Am I getting a good deal? I guarantee you costs have gone up. Plans have changed. Doctors have changed. Copays have changed. Coverage has changed. Something's changed. Since you began paying for what you think you're getting now, just make sure you're still getting it. 
there are a lot of insurance companies advertising now on radio and television. Hey, go with us, go with us, go with us. And I'm sure a lot of them are great. But I'm sure that all of them are going to take you if you call them and not tell you, you know, but for what you want or what you need or what you can afford, there might be somebody better. That's the beauty of AUI. They are not partisan. They don't have one particular company they push, two companies, three companies, five companies. They are a clearinghouse. They are a brokerage. They do business with everybody, and they get paid by everybody, and they don't get paid more by one than another. So you get a totally unbiased advocate, an expert with no agenda, which try and find that elsewhere in our society today. AUIinfo.com, a free service to you always. They're paid by other people who want to do business with you. AUIinfo.com. All right, how about that Browns win last night? 17-14 to 14 over the Broncos. You lose the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater. You're not a playoff team, at home in particular. Excuses, the Browns would have had them had they lost. Thankfully, they did not. Baker Mayfield on the bench. Case Keenum uh, got it done. They scored 17. They had a field goal blocked. I kind of feel like uh, they should have scored a little bit more, particularly since Von Miller was out for the entire second half. Dearness Johnson was really good running the football. I don't know how bad Jarvis Landry is hurt. I, I, I don't need to go into the whole I'm over Odell Beckham thing again, do I? Uh, because I am, and I wish they were over him too. Uh, he can't get them anything at the trade deadline. He's, okay, anyway, move on. I've said it before. Uh, their offensive line won on the football game. Because Dearness Johnson, it's not like, you know, Leroy Kelly's back there, uh, and they just haven't figured out that he's good. First of all, he's he's really good, but who do you want him to bench? <laughs> Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt? Like, no chance you bench either one of those guys. And you can't play three running backs. So Dearness Johnson did exactly what you want a third running back to do. He came in, he got 140 yards rushing. When your top two guys are out, he'll be fine. They have they have really good backups. And uh, Demetric Felton is a nice piece back there. They're complementary wide receivers, DPJ. And uh, Anthony Schwartz and Richard Higgins, they're fine. So the Browns are really talented. I don't uh, know yet about their defense, man, because they just keep getting injured on defense and they just seem to like not quite have something figured out on defense. So uh, the fact that the Broncos drove down twice on them and converted third and de- third and long a bunch of times and and kept it close, uh, don't love that, but. Hey, the NFL really, uh, the the great Mike Pettin used to say that the NFL is a pass-fail league. And it really kind of is. It really kind of is a pass-fail league. And so they passed. And once you pass, which I mean pass the test, you move on. Now the next game, uh, that's one that they definitely cannot lose. You cannot lose to the Steelers at home. Next two games are division games. Steelers at home at Bengals. So we'll know a little bit more about the Browns after that. They're four and three. If they get to six and three, everything's fine. If they're five and four, eh, not great. If they're four and five, like big time trouble, big time trouble. So the next two games are going to define this Brown season because they should, they should be able to beat the Steelers at home and the Bengals on the road. But you guys know I've talked about the Bengals. I like the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a really good football team. And the Browns will have to earn it if they're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Now, speaking of the Bengals, they have the Ravens on Sunday on the road. That's going to be a big, big challenge for Joe Burrow and company. But uh, if they can get that one, then you'll have to look at the Bengals in a whole new light. I would tend to think the Ravens will win that game. Lamar Jackson is uh, pretty hot right now. Cincinnati's defense is good, but chasing Lamar Jackson around is a whole nother deal. So the way the Ravens are playing, uh, leaders in the AFC North, um, that's a big ask. But who was it this week that said Joe Burrow's the next? Oh, Phil Simms says Joe Burrow is the next Joe Montana. Uh, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. I mean, Joe Montana, five Super Bowl rings or four Super Bowl rings, whatever it is. Uh, Joe Burrow, let's hold off on putting that kind of pressure on him until he has one. And I'm not even sure if being the next Joe Montana is like, would Joe Montana be Joe Montana in today's NFL? <laughs> um, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, Joe Montana's fantastic, but uh, Patrick Mahomes, those are the kind of guys that now, I, I don't know if Montana, he's just a different kind of a guy. Like, Montana's kind of half-franchise quarterback, half-game manager, which I see the comparison. I'm not trying to denigrate Joe Montana up until Brady got, like, his fifth or sixth Super Bowl ring. I said Montana was the greatest because he never lost a Super Bowl. Now it's silly. Brady's the greatest because he's Brady because he keeps winning Super Bowls even into his 40s. But uh, it's not fair, A, to say Joe Burrow's the next Joe Montana. And I'm just saying there's a conversation to be had about whether – Joe Montana is the template for the kind of quarterback you're going to need going forward in this NFL. Back when Joe Montana played, uh, you know, the running game was still a big part of the National Football League. Now the running game is not as big of a part, although I still think the fundamentals of winning in football, being physical, being able to convert third and one, being able to stop third and one, are still the things that matter the most. Of course, when you're looking for an attorney, the things that matter the most are integrity, character, expertise. My friends at Willis Spangler Starling have all three. WillisAttorneys.com. WillisAttorneys.com is the website. Check them out. If you need to be represented in a case involving personal injury, wills, estate planning, probate, employment law, social security disability, any of those, all of those, some of those, Willis Spangler Starling can handle it. They're expanding because they're growing and they're growing because they're good. Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com. Check them out online just north of Home Depot and Target in the Mill Run area off Truman Boulevard, Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com. College football weekend, Ohio State, Indiana. Will Michael Penix play for Indiana? Probably not. Will it matter? Probably not. Ohio State will win the game. I do think they need to win the game by a healthy margin. And I think that is uh, pretty self-evident because Cincinnati beat Indiana by 14 points. You do not want to, at the end of the year, be in a comparative situation between Ohio State and Cincinnati for the final playoff berth, although I think Ohio State will likely win that mm, nine times out of ten. I really think, I continue to think, Cincinnati will finish the year undefeated, and I continue to think that Cincinnati will be the first group of five team to play in the college football playoff. Just because Alabama's got a loss, Ohio State has a loss, uh, Georgia doesn't have a loss yet, and they may not have a loss, but even if they don't, who else is there? There's not another team that will finish with one loss. I just think, I think Cincinnati wins the comparison to Oregon, 
Although I say that now and I'm thinking, man, Oregon's got to win over Ohio State. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. I, um, but if I'm since if I'm Ohio State, do you want to be in a group of three teams? If the other two teams are Cincinnati undefeated and Oregon, which beat you head to head, and be arguing your merits over Cincinnati and Oregon, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. So for Ohio State and Indiana, it's important that you have a case to argue that you're better than Cincinnati based upon a common opponent. Not only common opponent is going to be Indiana. So that's why I think Ohio State needs to go over there on Saturday night and not mess around and not fall behind and not be entertaining you know, the possibility, however remote, of an Indiana upset deep into the second half. Do I think Ohio State will be in trouble over there? No, I don't. But do I think people have taken too much liberty with what Ohio State has accomplished against Akron, Tulsa, Maryland, and Rutgers? Yeah, a little bit. Although here's the benefit of playing bad teams and beating them like you should beat a bad team. Talented players like Ohio State has gain confidence from those games in this kind of a season because when they played a team that was comparably talented to them, Oregon, the result was not what anybody wanted. So they kind of go into this position of wondering, am I good enough to be at Ohio State? Do I have the talent to deliver on the expectations that they had for me here? You know, I don't have a track record of having won the Big Ten or having gotten to the college football playoff. I'm wearing the uniform of guys who did that. They expect me to be those kinds of guys, but I don't really know in my heart of hearts since Oregon smacked me in the mouth and beat me whether I am really what everybody thought I was and rather and whether we are really what everybody thought we were without Justin Fields, without J.K. Dobbins, without some of the guys that we lost to graduation. So that's why I think beating bad teams convincingly can convince the Tommy Eichenbergs and the Denzel Burks and some of the younger players on this football team that, hey, we are a capable group of guys. Our recruiting rankings weren't off target. That's what I think the value of beating four bad teams is. But it doesn't guarantee you that when you play Indiana, much more of a talented team than the other four that I just referred to that Ohio State hammered, and Penn State, which is clearly a more talented team, even than Indiana, it doesn't guarantee you that all that confidence you got out of beating Akron, Tulsa, Rutgers, and Maryland is going to make you a world beater against Penn State or against Indiana or against Michigan State or against Michigan. Although, again, I think Michigan is overrated. I think Michigan will lose at Michigan State in two weeks. Michigan has Northwestern. Uh, this coming weekend, Michigan State is off. So there is a use to beating those four teams that Ohio State had in the aftermath of Oregon, but it's not universal and it doesn't apply to every opponent. Now, as for Penn State, which comes in here a week from Saturday, 7.30 kick, Sean Clifford was throwing the other day in practice. Will he play Saturday at home against Illinois? I don't know. I mean, I would probably, if I'm James Franklin, I probably do want him to play some because I want to know what he's got. I can't hold him out and expect him to be full go for Ohio State if I haven't seen him out there in two weeks. Clearly, 
Penn State wins the game against Iowa if Sean Clifford plays. They lost the game. They now can still win the East by beating Ohio State, but beating Ohio State in Columbus is not going to be a layup for Penn State. It's not going to be a 40-footer at the buzzer with two guys draped on you for Penn State. It's going to be harder than that because at night in those contrived and god-awful, gaudy Nike uniforms, Ohio State is going to be loaded for bear against Penn State, and I would expect that game to be a comfortable win, more likely a comfortable win than a close win, and definitely, definitely not a loss. Now, as for Illinois, which is coached by uh, Brett Bielema, he's in hot water this week because he dared speak the truth about the roster that he inherited. He said, as this roster continues to transition, I have to make some tough decisions. The players have to make tough decisions. The roster is going to have to change to get where we want to be to win a championship. I recognize that probably midway through the spring last year, through the summer. Certain positions haven't probably played out the way they envisioned them to, in particular the offensive line. And he goes on. He says, I don't believe we have a player in the two deep that they've recruited here over the last three years. And that is really significantly doing anything for us in the playing department, and that's a major concern. Oh, of course now, he's in the crosshairs because he dared to say that the players he inherited are crap. How dare you say that, Brett Bielema? You'll hurt people's feelings, Brett Bielema. So then he has to go through the obligatory dog and pony show of saying, they're my words, but they were taken completely out of context. Media members have a job to do. Sometimes clickbait comments, blah, 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 blah. Okay. What he said was not wrong. There was nothing wrong with what he said. It was the truth. People don't like hearing the truth. They don't like hearing that you were recruited to do a job. You're not doing the job. And so we need to recruit better players than you. Okay. Is that, is that controversial? Like if we recruit you and you're in the program for three years and none of you are playing, that's a fail. It's nobody's fault but yours that it is a fail. And people get so twisted over having somebody say, look, this person's not holding up their end. They're not doing their job. We are going to be poorer as sports fans and as a society. Here's my little soapbox moment of the day. If we stop expecting and demanding excellence from each other. I write for a site that covers Ohio State, University of Dayton, and high school sports, Central Ohio and Western Ohio. The site is called PressProsMagazine.com. It's a great site. We do a great job on that site. We've got great photos and great narrative writing. And this site grew out of covering a league in Western Ohio called the Midwest Athletic Conference. The Midwest Athletic Conference is a league of eight teams with a bunch of, you know, rural-ish high schools that play football like nobody's business. Like eight of the last nine years, a Mac school, Midwest Athletic Conference, has played for the state championship. Eight out of nine years, two teams, not one, two, at least from the league, eight of the last nine years have played for the state championship. So this is a league where teams win. Now, it's not the same teams all the time. A lot of the times it's Marion Local. They got 11 state titles, but... It's also Coldwater. It's also Anna. It's also Fort Recovery. It's also uh, New Bremen. So 
It's also Delphi St. John. It's like everybody has taken their turn. Why? Because there's a standard of winning, and you strive to reach that standard. So you would think in this particular area of Ohio, people would appreciate that. Well, I'm sure some do, but let me read you a couple of the letters to the editor that we got this week. Dear Press Pros people, while I've discovered your website and admire the art and passion with which you cover high school football, I also observe your practice of covering teams from the MAC with winning legacies. And while this is certainly justified, your obvious obsession with winning comes at the expense of other schools and other athletes who do not have the same advantages and privileges that those schools have. I would like to remind you that there are some who would benefit from just a bit of attention you pay to those who already have all the attention. Well, let me say this, ma'am. Winners are not winners because they have advantages and privileges. Winners are winners because they practice, they dream, they envision, they work, they strive. That is why people win. And I will make no apologies for covering winners and for celebrating winners because winning is in the purview of everyone with enough effort and with enough want to, okay? So, Bielema, I'm disappointed you backed down. We need better players. Yes, I can coach better, but we need better players. And heaven forbid we ever get past demanding excellence from each other because when we do, then uh, everybody's 8-8 eight and eight and there's no reason to cover anything because no reason to watch, no reason to go. People like winning, and there's nothing wrong with winning. Winning has earned Mike Gundy a reinstitution of the smackdown Oklahoma State laid on him a couple of years ago because he had the temerity to wear a T-shirt on a fishing trip advertising the conservative media site One America News. Remember when his star running back, Chuba Hubbard, uh, got all upset because Mike Gundy wore a T-shirt with OAN on the front. Well, now Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys are a top 10 football team. And so guess what? Oklahoma State has decided that Mike Gundy wearing an OAN T-shirt was not the worst thing that could ever happen. And they have uh, reduced the, his contract buyout. And they have changed his four-year rollover contract to a five-year rollover contract. Now, why did they do that? Did they come to the light and say, you know, we shouldn't have gotten all upset about what kind of a T-shirt Mike Gundy wears. It was just a T-shirt. He probably didn't even try to make a political statement when he put that T-shirt on. He's probably looking for a T-shirt at 4 o'clock in the morning. He didn't want to wake his wife up, so he grabbed the T-shirt on the top of the pile, and off he went to a stinky fishing trip. No, that is not why they reinstated Mike Gundy's contract terms. They reinstated Mike Gundy's contract terms because they're afraid now that Mike Gundy is winning and that LSU and USC are open that they might lose Mike Gundy. And so winning is what got Mike Gundy's contract reinstated to where it was before, before Oklahoma State worried about things like the woman who wrote the press pros is worried about, which is the mistaken notion that privileges and advantages are the only reasons why people win. That is not the only reason why people win. Sometimes it is the reason why people win, but it is not the only reason why people win. And we shouldn't penalize people because they work hard and because they achieve. I'm a big fan of rewarding those who, quote, build a better mousetrap. And in that vein, 
That explains why I'm a big fan of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. What a great idea. Paul and Grace were missionaries in foreign countries, and they love coffee, and they realize, wow, the coffee's really good here in Nicaragua, in Indonesia, in Thailand. Wouldn't it be great if we could help these people in these local economies by selling their coffee back in the States? So that's what they've done. They've built a great business, and they've remained mission-minded because the money that they purchase that coffee with enables those growers to do more in their local economy. So it's a beautiful thing. And it's even more beautiful when you, as a We Tackle Life podcast listener, get 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps when you order from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. You will get delicious coffee and you will be furthering their ministry efforts around the world. All right, before we get into the faith portion of the podcast, we'll go through the college football schedule. Cincinnati starts at noon on Saturday. They play at Navy. I would assume the Bearcats will win that game pretty handily. Navy is 1-5. It's not your uh, typical Navy team that uh, causes all kinds of problems for people. So another big win for the Bearcats in the offing, and they'll stay number two. As I said, Illinois plays Penn State. That's also a noon kickoff from uh, State College, and Michigan plays at noon as well. Michigan has Northwestern at home. If they struggle with Northwestern, well, that'll just confirm what I've said about Michigan all along, which is they still look to me like a three-loss football team. All right, Purdue, which upset the apple cart last week by beating Iowa handily at Iowa City. Petey, the Boilermaker, back in the rankings at 25. They have Wisconsin at home. I don't know what happened to Paul Christ in Wisconsin, but, well, I know what happened. Graham Mers is not that good at quarterback. Uh, we'll see if Jeff Brom can keep it going at Purdue. Man, Jeff Brom at LSU, how good would he be there? Uh, Wisconsin at Purdue, that's probably the headline 3 o'clock game, although don't sleep on Oklahoma State, number 8 in the country at Iowa State. Matt Campbell, uh, if James Franklin takes a USC job, I would think Penn State, if they're smart, would beat a path to Matt Campbell's door. Matt Campbell at Penn State could be a problem for Ohio State in coming years. Oregon, number 10, is at UCLA. Maybe Chip Kelly can get something done against his former team. Uh, Clemson is at Pitt. That's odd. Pitt's ranked. Clemson isn't. Uh, Elsewhere in the Big Ten, Maryland's at Minnesota. Minnesota knocked off Nebraska last week. Can uh, P.J. Fleck in his medium jacket beat Maryland? I don't know. Uh, Buckeyes, obviously, Indiana, 7.30 at night. USC's at Notre Dame. USC's unranked. Interim coach Brian Kelly in Notre Dame should win that game pretty easily. Not a great, not a great college football weekend. Next weekend should be pretty good. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State will be the headline games next weekend. Okay. I'm headed to a high school football game tonight. I love high school football. I've covered NFL football. I've covered college football. Usually you transition from high school up to bigger sports, but I enjoy covering high school football, so I'm looking forward to that tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being part of a couple great events this Sunday, uh, both of which are um, faith and ministry-oriented. One of them intersects a little bit with politics. But in the faith portion of the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about adversity. Um, and in the vein of what we talked about here today with uh, winning and practicing and striving, I think this is an apropos topic to get into from a faith perspective. Um, 
I got some discouraging news this week from two friends, from two friends, two very dear friends, uh, one of whom his uh, wife suffered an injury uh, from a fall as she was uh, planning on having some uh, surgery done to relieve another uh, different situation, and one of whom uh, lost someone close to them uh, who was a very, very, very inspirational person. And so when these things happen, when adversity strikes, I've talked to you guys about the health struggles of some people close to me. We uh, want God to fix it, and I want him to fix it right now. Uh, Because I think about, look, I know you can fix it, uh, so why don't you? Uh, Because I certainly believe God is more powerful than the forces of evil in the world. But from reading uh, Daniel 8 and 9, I forget if it's 8 or 9, but it's somewhere in there, there's a part in that uh, book of the Bible where Daniel is um, communicating with uh, an angel. And the angel tells Daniel that Daniel has been uh, fasting, I think, for like a month and praying and seeking God's guidance on something. And when the angel comes, he says to Daniel, God heard your prayer and I've been trying to come, but the forces of evil have been resisting me. Now, you'll notice the, the angel was there. So the angel eventually won. But it wasn't like there wasn't resistance, and it's not a difficulty pressing through that. So those are the things I think about when I think about adversity hitting me and people I love and friends and people close to friends. Um, I would never choose to suffer. (laughs) I wouldn't. I'm soft. I would never choose to suffer. Um. What we get through suffering is often something we prize, yet we would not choose to gain it via the only avenue we have that regularly leads us to that point. What do I mean by that? I mean that when I think about things in my life that have brought me closer to God, and thus, I would say, have given me more peace, more um, spiritual tools in my toolbox to deal with bad things, tough things, difficult things, mysterious things. When I have achieved things in my life, or experienced things is a better word, experienced things in my life that have made me more devoted to God, more committed to God, every single one of those experiences, the enlightenment, the utility, the devotion, the commitment, every single time that I've gained that kind of good thing, I realize that it has most often resulted from a circumstance that I would have chosen to avoid if I could have. I know there are probably people who can gain those kinds of things through prosperity, through triumph, through (laughs) 
ease and comfort. I'm just not one of them. I'm just not one of them. So the ultimate question for me in the face of adversity, as I encounter it and as I see friends of mine encounter it, is if I could learn good things or grow closer to God amid rampant prosperity, he would probably give me more rampant prosperity because his desire is for me to grow closer to him. But since my greatest blessings have resulted from things I would have chosen to avoid if given the choice, I have to realize that when adversity strikes me, it is entirely possible that it is striking me because God loves me enough to give me the adversity rather than give me the ability to avoid the adversity because his ultimate desire is my closeness to him and he knows the adversity will bring me closer to him. My desire is for temporal comfort. His desire is for eternal relationship. So when things happen to me bad, painful, mysterious, hard to understand, rather than me say, what are you letting this happen for? I suppose I should say, thanks for loving me enough that you're willing to watch me suffer, struggle, battle, because the ultimate result of that is closer, brings me closer to you. I don't do a very good job of that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. And so um, I just bring it up because it's one of the things that struck me in my morning Bible study this week as I was really bummed about some circumstances going on with friends of mine and I deem it like, hey, enough, leave him alone, okay? Or come on, enough of this stuff. Like, leave me alone. And I realize I don't really want God to leave me alone because when he's left me alone, when he stood back and not pulled me in toward him with the only methods he has that I ever really seem to pay attention to, which is adversity, suffering, strife, then I get into a really bad situation. So that's what I have for you as we finish off a week of We Tackle Life podcast. Love to hear from you on email. We tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. You can also review the show on iTunes. I'd appreciate it very much. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday on the We Tackle Life podcast.